Hi, and welcome to Weird Science, the psychology podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Emily. And today we're going to talk about... Possession. <laughs> that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> pretty good. Good job, Emily. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're all pretty familiar, I think, with the definition of possession. Oh, wait, should we say spooky Halloween first? Right? Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, spooky Ooh. Halloween, everyone. <laughs> yes. Is this coming out a little bit before Halloween? But, you know, we don't. Yeah. It's basically on... Halloween. Yeah. It's I- I've just been referring to this month as Halloween because uh, <laughs> like, like Royce. Because who... the right of. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, because Royce, you know, who is my boyfriend, we have been making, like, themed dinners and stuff. Uh, like, we made mm-hmm. a pumpkin soup, as as, like, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I've just been like, what else are we going to make? Because we have to make something, you know, Halloween-themed, because, you know, it's it's Halloween. Like, I don't say October. It, it's Halloween. <laughs> it is Halloween all the time. October 1st to October 31st. It's Halloween. Yep. And then it's turkey season. And then... I'm willing to allow Christmas to start as early as the day after Thanksgiving. (laughs) Uh, Fair. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Definitely gets to be um, holiday cozy after, after Thanksgiving. I walked into a, I think it was a Home Depot trying to find something and I'm immediately assaulted with fake Christmas trees. And I'm like, (laughs) y'all. They set up, um halloween aisles here in like early september <laughs> and they're already moving on to christmas or like all oh, right I <laughs> well i remember i remember last year when i went and bought us halloween decorations and I, I think i told you when i went like everything for halloween was already on sale and it wasn't mm-hmm. even halloween yet <laughs> yep sounds about right yep <laughs> so yes this should be coming out pretty close to halloween um and like actual halloween i mean it's definitely coming out during spooky month yeah nobody throw um, any halloween parties okay yeah, you small yeah ones. i was gonna that's what i was gonna say i was like it's basically halloween every day because we have to celebrate to make up for the fact that there will be no actual Exactly. I know. I'm so disappointed. Like this month, my birthday (laughs) falls on a Saturday. Yeah. Halloween falls on a Saturday, and I I can't really do do anything. It's like oh my god, guys. I totally was gonna. I forgot to tell you. Um, I had a dream about you. Oh. And you decided to throw a big birthday party, (laughs) and in a fit of rage, I killed you. You're like, I must sacrifice her for the good of the world. It really was. I was like, I was so mad because I'd like in this theoretical, um, you know, situation, I had like somehow transported myself to you from Portland. Of course. And so after traveling all that way to see you and then you wanted to do that to me, I was like, no, 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 no. No, don't worry. I, I date someone who has issues with upper respiratory illnesses when he gets them. So right. I'm not I'm not taking my chances with this one. Right. Um, but also just in uh, general, I still want it. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I have extra reason to be precautious. 
Yes, yes. So, um, shall we get back to it then? Yes. Back to the spookiness. Okay, so... Spooky! <laughs> this week, we're going to be talking about exorcism and, and possession. I Mostly possession. I don't know. I just saw the word the exorcist, and then that made me think exorcism, but mostly possession. Yeah, exorcism um, because, usually follows possession. Right, but it's like the religious side of things, and we're sticking yeah. with the non religious side of things. <laughs> well, I mean, I my stories will involve religion just because. Yeah. Oh, you know. for sure. It ha- yeah, most. Yeah, I'll get into it, but yeah. yeah. Generally speaking, it is tied to religion. Yeah. But. Well, because like well, I, I googled stories of possession, and all of them end in like exorcism. So, wow, you know, yeah. <laughs> that is the general course of action. Yeah, <laughs> for this situation. Um, okay, so definitely the idea of possession is not new to most people. Um, it's pretty much a worldwide phenomenon and it especially has been i guess gate or has gained a lot of popularity because of like scary movies like the exorcist bringing it into like popular media and that sort of thing at least in the western world so um just you know a general definition is possession is the belief that somebody's body is being controlled or has been taken over by something supernatural and it could be a spirit a demon a witch like there's and a lot of different words that don't translate well into english because this is not just like an english sort you know sort of phenomenon it's found all over the world Mm -hmm. yeah so could be a lot of different things just anything that takes over the human body Um, so this phenomenon of possession is based in religion and it has been described by a variety of religious texts and documents like all across the world. So some, uh, various religions that have described possession in some way, um, are Christianity, Hinduism, Judaism, Haitian voodoo, Islam, Buddhism, and a bunch of other like it's just everywhere. <laughs> Basically just all of them. <laughs> right. Every the, every religion you could probably think of has probably described it in some way. Zoroastrianism. Or... Okay, I don't know. But oh, I was guessing, did that one come up? Okay. <laughs> I I didn't see that one. Or if I did, I skipped over it because it was too tiny. <laughs> I know, oh, I forgot. To... Huh? What? Huh? Oh, what? I was going to say, like, Zoroastrianism, it probably has like what 17 followers or something right now i don't know it's i don't not, even know what it it's is it's not big i the only reason i is know that about one of the it cults things one of the no cults? Oh, i i the only reason i remember it is because first off it's it starts it's z word not very many of those but also uh i just remember it being mentioned in our world history class by our teacher and it has stuck with me ever since okay it's well, not a very popular religion so Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> well, so basically what I'm trying to get across is it's super common belief across the world in a variety of different ethnic groups, religious sects, and cultural centers. So, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> uh, 
And um, here are some fun, like, variations of different types of possession from different, like, I don't know, different cultures across the world, mm-hmm. um, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> so uh, the Digo people of Kenya refer to spirits that supposedly possess them as shaitani, and the shaitani typically demand luxury items mm. to make um, to make the person well again. So the person that they're possessing. So <laughs> that sounds like a little bit like maybe your wife who wants a nice okay. bag. Okay, literally the next baby. line. Literally the next line is despite the fact that men sometimes accuse women of faking the possessions in order to get luxury items, attention, and sympathy, they do generally regard the spirit possession as a genuine condition and view victims of it as victims of it as being ill through no fault of their own. You know, I, I, I am curious to know about the the you know, the relationships, you know, if, if it is women who mostly do this, if like what kind of husbands they have, you know, is, is, he, is he normally attentive or is this a guy who sits on the couch and like watches football kind of thing or whatever the equivalent of that in Kenya? Um, right. You know. um, it says <laughs> some men sometimes suspect women of actively colluding with spirits in order to be possessed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like, just hey, got better. Hey, throw a girl a bone. My husband never pays any attention. He never takes right. me in for nice. Oh Look, my god! All I'm asking that. is for you to possess me just a little bit, so that I can have a nice dinner. I mean, is it so hard to get a nice dinner around here once in a while? Yeah, I, know, okay. right? <laughs> I love it. Um, so in Jewish folklore, a dibbik is a disembodied spirit that wanders restlessly until it inhabits the body of a living person. Um, and the ball, oh, I might be pronouncing this incorrectly, but um, the ball Shem could expel the harmful Dybbuk through exorcism. And um, there are also like um, different Jewish quote unquote magical practices well, um, in order to like, guard yourself against dibbics which is kind of cool and if you guys have never heard of the story of the dibbic box which was like a cursed um wine cabinet i think it was like a a place to store wine um and it was cursed with a dibbic supposedly inhabiting it and somebody sold it on ebay oh no (laughs) and then like the guy who got it was like, why do, uh, how come my whole apartment smells like cat pee and um, I keep having nightmares of a scary hag woman in the corner <laughs> after getting it? So I'm guessing he fun. didn't, it was not advertised as a haunted wine cabinet. It was just like, here's a wine cabinet. So. And he's like, y'all, there's dead people. What's going on? <laughs> I'm emailing the seller like, hey, I don't mean to sound weird, but <laughs> <laughs> see, I, if I'm remembering the story correctly, the guy who originally bought it, um, he like got it f- from Israel or maybe not, maybe just somewhere in, I don't know, from some Jewish family in Europe or mm-hmm. Eurasia area. And, um, and then he sold it on eBay, but he did warn people that it was like, 
haunted and everyone was like yeah right and That's then fine. people would buy it and then be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If it's advertised as haunted, you get what's coming to you. You know? Right. <laughs> Who told you it's not his fault? You didn't believe him. Right. You know, like, I'm I'm not, you know, someone who's like, oh, haunted things. But if I saw something and it was like, warning, this is haunted, like, I don't care how cute it is. I'm not running that chance that I'm going to oh, be yeah. proven wrong that oh, haunted no. objects are a thing. <laughs> like, now nah, I'm good. Uh, yeah like i don't need to test that yeah (laughs) that's not a theory i want to test but it is kind of fun because some people like purposefully look for like haunted items being sold on ebay and they like collect them to like people who want to live in haunted houses too yeah 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 isn't there like i I, isn't there like because it makes me think of um that one of those what is the haunting the movie of you know, based off or the Annabelle doll thing, you know, mm, where that's yeah. based like the conjuring. Is that what? Yeah, the conjuring. Thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. With it, the, the Annabelle doll, and it's like don't don't those yeah people have basically have like a like the whatever those scientists people don't they basically have like oh, they are not one? scientists. You're thinking of the Warrens. Yeah, those are real people. Um, yeah. So Ed and Lorraine Warren are real, quote unquote, like. I don't know what they call themselves. I know Lorraine calls herself a medium mm-hmm. and Ed is like an ordained priest. Oh, okay. And they're basically like a couple that went around to people's houses who claimed to be haunted and tried to, um, you know, like remove the spirits yeah. or like figure out what was going on there. So they did a lot of like really famous houses. Like I think they went to the Amityville house, uh-huh. um, a haunting of, in Connecticut, that movie. Oh yeah. Whatever that whatever that too. that was also they were also at that house, uh-huh. I think. And yeah. um then the conjuring house. Yeah. But like, yeah, they've been around. Um there is a lot of speculation on how legit they are. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um because like there's some people that claim like like behind the scenes, um both Ed and Lorraine are just kind of like full of bullshit and like, mm-hmm. or like and Ed has even b- been described as like being super hostile. And um, oh. <laughs> like, if you like try to like ask him too many questions, he just uh, like yeah. becomes really hostile and rude. And yeah. Yeah. So I, was, I don't know. Questionable. Yeah, well, but <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I was thinking, don't they have like, you know, supposedly like a, a room full of haunted things? Yes. Cause I know that. Yeah. They, I know they have yes, like they did. Annabelle doll. Okay. They did, but Lorraine recently passed away, and I think Ed had passed away several years before her. Um, and so a lot of their stuff that they kept went on to auction, and I think uh-huh. some of it is now owned by like um, Ghost Adventures guy Zach Bagans. Oh. Yeah, about to say yeah. that if they're both dead, that must have been one hell of an interesting estate sale. Like. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, and like, yes, yes. Here's this teacup. Supposedly it contains the spirit of a malevolent demon. It's $12. Yep. <laughs> it's $12. I probably even know that. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm sure. But... stuff probably went so pricey. Uh, oh, but yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on. In, in Islam, um, possession by Afari, Afarit? I don't know how to pronounce it. I didn't look it up. And I'm sorry. You can't um, pronounce anything. It's fine. <laughs> but it basically translates to a spirit of the underworld. 
Um, they are said to grant the possessed some supernatural powers, but it Ooh. also drives them insane. Damn, Ooh, everything spooky. comes at a price. Yep. Um, the concept of spirit possession ex- exists in the culture of modern Rajasthan, which is in um, northern India. And uh, some some of the spirits allegedly possessing uh, oh, um, the people that live there. <laughs> I cannot pronounce their <laughs> actual cultural name, but anyway, the people that live there. <laughs> um, they are uh, so some of the spirits are actually seen as good and beneficial, but mm-hmm. others are seen as more malevolent. Um, the good spirits are said to include murdered royalty, uh, the underworld god. Baronji, Baronji, I don't okay. know, and um, Muslim saints. Huh. Whereas bad spirits are believed to include perpetual debtors who die in debt. Oh. I mean, that's a little uh, classist. Anyway, oh, I know, stillborn right? infants. Holy, sh- what the fuck? <laughs> okay, um, uh, deceased wow. widows. All right, and foreign tourists. <laughs> Okay, we that one I can't blame them for. Specifically American <laughs> tourists, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, specifically annoying American yeah, tourists. We are a plague upon the international world. The fact that I, I'm sure like most countries, maybe they don't even believe about the coronavirus, but they were more than happy to be able to shut off uh, travel to Americans. <laughs> right. They're okay, like, I'm uh, jumping on the boat. Yeah. The supposedly uh, possessed individual is r- referred to as a gorala, a gorala, or a mount. The and, first word was more fun. Okay, mount, and like you know, like you mount a horse. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm like nah. Right. The, the other one, I like that word to be used to explain a possessed person. Mount is too normal of a word. Well, that's the like English translation. That's why. oh oh. <laughs> Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and possession, um, even if by a benign spirit, is regarded as undesirable because um, it is seen to entail loss of self-control and violent emotion- emotional outbursts. Mm, fun. I also would not like to have someone living in my head with me. Like, there's, a, yeah. I'm already here. It, I take up <laughs> enough space. It's occupado, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's like two people in a tiny bathroom. This is not going to work. <laughs> All right. So um, basically, well, the, pos- the idea of possession is not new. What might be a new fun fact to all of you out there listening is that psychiatrists have, of course, like honestly, no surprise, um, ascribed a diagnosis to this. Yeah. Yes. Of <laughs> and course. they call it, yes, and they call it possession syndrome. So let's get into it. Whoa. All right. So possession syndrome is listed under the general umbrella term of dissociative disorders, and it is sometimes referred to as possession disorder or trance disorder. Um, and it is a type of dissociative identity disorder in the DSM-5. However, because the expression of the syndrome changes so much from culture to culture, because like everyone has their own beliefs, and that can influence the way you like exhibit your possession, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, 
it can be really hard for psychologists to pin down diagnosis criteria, which is why they're so vague in describing it. And it kind of gets down to, I don't know, some sort of dissociative state where they like show personality traits of something else, uh, question mark, like, <laughs> is basically like, like, it's like, if you get diagnosed with anything you're most likely going to get diagnosed with DID and then they might put in like the subcategory of like possession syndrome well that's maybe that's not great because DID is not widely like why uh widely accepted as a diagnosis and so now well this is like yeah it's a pretty rare thing Mm -hmm. I I would have to assume I didn't see any numbers but like I would just have to assume that like not many people experience these symptoms and therefore it just probably there, there, there was some research out on it. Um, A lot of the research was basically like the prevalence amongst groups that believe in possession versus groups that don't. And obviously among groups that did believe in possession, yes, the rates of it being of possession being reported were higher. Oh. Well, but you know, I feel I, like that's not a shock. No. Well, <laughs> <to> actually, <anyone. laughs> this, this is this is not like it, it's funny that you say that. It's because um, the, the the article you sent me when I was reading, I didn't put this in my notes because it's like it wasn't really story based, and I wasn't I didn't want to like start wading into like research stuff. Mm-hmm. But like uh, it was there was a priest who mentioned that uh, basically the belief was that like the only way to get possessed is by dealing with like basically like evil spiritual stuff. So obviously like you're not going to have like atheists who like, right. Cause they're not necessarily going to be involved. um, Yeah. They're not, unless they're like maybe satanic atheists, but yeah. Those are like a different thing. (laughs) That's not like, yeah, they don't worship Satan, but it's like, it would make sense that religious people would be more, uh, you know, like would get involved with that kind of stuff just because they're religious. Right. I've heard. Yeah. This is like a thing that I hear a lot. And it's like, if you're quote unquote, more open to these experiences, you're more likely to be susceptible for them. Mm -hmm. But then we can get into priming and we can get into like, um, what is it? What is it? Um, confirmation bias yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. so I, I'm sure that those waters get muddy real fast yeah and we here on the podcast will neither conform, confirm nor deny the possibility of possession because that's just right uh, that's beyond our scope oh, I definitely. think <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's often like and that water is treaded very lightly by the psychologists that have done research and I'll get yeah. into a little bit of that mm-hmm. now so um basically there's controversy in um possession s- syndrome or possession itself being labeled a, dis- a disorder um at all because okay so here i get into one of the research papers i read uh dissociative trance and spirit possession challenges for cultures in transition by uh bavsar at all um so This is a quote from that paper. In the social sciences, across the categories of human experience regarded to be spiritual, it is possession, the seizure of spirit by another, which has been most arresting for observers. In this regard, dissociative trance states and possession states have together been of interest to both 
clinicians and anthropologists interested in the problem of making comparisons of mental illness between cultures. So basically the point that's being made here is like there's an issue of one, aka the Western side of Mm -hmm. groups, um, like Westernized groups looking at non-westernized groups and going "Mm, i don't know that's really weird maybe they're like mentally ill or something and like not taking into consideration that the cultural practices and beliefs are different and just kind of like writing it off as like some sort of disorder or something bad where in Mm -hmm. that culture it would be viewed differently and studied differently um so Uh, This issue was also discussed in the article, can the DSM-5 differentiate between non-pathological possession and dissociative identity disorder? A case study from an Afro-Brazilian religion by Del Monte et al., which points out several ways the DSM-5 tries and kind of fails to be culturally sensitive. Because, like, the DSM-5 does have a caveat to address, like, the idea that it might be a cultural thing and not, like, a psychological thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, like, the little, like, one line that they put in to, like, catch all of that is that the disturbance is not a normal part of a broadly accepted cultural or religious practice when they are diagnosing DID. But, but also, becomes- I'm sure, easy to overlook, right? Right. And it becomes difficult when there's debate about how broadly accepted possession is in that group. And wow. like if the doctor is part of that group or if they're trying to like and their definition of how broadly accepted possession is, because like imagine a white doctor diagnosing somebody from a small eth- ethnic group in like a, a large city where like n- there are those little pockets of people with different cultural beliefs. So it's like, it can get really muddy really fast Mm -hmm. is basically the end (laughs) of that. (laughs) Um, But so the DSM-5, it also notes that in order to be classified as possession syndrome, um, as opposed to a non-pathological possession, which would be like straight up, you know, the religious version of it, like mm-hmm. non-pathological possession just means like run-of-the-mill religious possession. Yeah. <laughs> um, then the symptoms in question must be involuntary, distressing, uncontrollable, and often recurrent or persistent, persistent, involve conflict between the individual and his or her surrounding family, social, or work milieu. Mil- milieu? Milieu? I don't know what that... I've, I don't think I know that word. Anyway... Did you spell something? No, it's oh. a real word. It's oh. just French. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, so uh, they must they must have symptoms that are like in conflict with everyone around them, uh-huh. and that and um, those symptoms must be manifested at times and in places that violate the norms of the culture or religion. So again, it's the DSM-5 like trying to be like culturally sensitive and not just giving out a diagnosis um, for something that could be like a religious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just... It's complicated. It's complicated. And it's hard to sum that up in like a neat little sentence. And um, Honestly. <laughs> and it's it's even harder to 
for for a psychiatrist to necessarily follow that, you know, when diagnosed, because yeah. a psychiatrist is going to have a bias mm-hmm. to believe or to not believe or to have a different experience than the people that they are diagnosing. So it can be very difficult for this to be diagnosed officially. Um, so, uh, like the, the, like summation of that article that was done, um, by Del Monte at all, uh, was that of, um, they did a really good job like talking about it and they use big fancy words and I kind of <laughs> skimmed over a lot of it. So like, if you want to read the paper, it was really interesting. Um, but that's pretty much what I got out of it. Um, and in my personal opinion, psychology's job is not to determine what is real to any group and it, sh- it but it should be available to those who seek treatment when they believe it's necessary. So I don't think it's like a psychiatrist's job to go like possessions, not real. So you're obviously mentally ill. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do believe that if somebody is struggling and suffering, that they should have access to a psychologist if Mm -hmm. that is the route that they so choose to take. Yeah. Um, It can become tricky when somebody with possession could be mentally ill but their family is limiting their access to mental health care um and they could be a victim of abuse mistreatment or neglect uh but so i think that that's where it becomes kind of like oh i don't know like should they be forced to go to a medical hospital if they're in a family and a society that believes um, that know the correct responses to like make them pray all the time and fast and not do things that are generally good for their health. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Um, that's where it becomes tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it makes me think back to, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in doctor school now. So like I'm having to take like (laughs) ethics courses and stuff and this, like doing this research honestly started to like pull on my like ethics, like learnings a little bit because it's like, you know, um, as medical professionals, you're told to do no harm, um, but to also, um, (laughs) it's like, there's like beneficence and non-maleficence and beneficence is doing something for a patient that's good for them. But non-maleficence is not doing something that would be bad for the patient. And that can include violating their cultural beliefs. So it's like Mm -hmm. you could be giving up the beneficence, like putting them on medications and trying to stabilize their mood Um, so you could be sacrificing that beneficence by doing non-maleficence of not getting involved and crossing their cultural boundaries. Mm -hmm. So it can get very confusing very fast. And yeah, I I think we could say that like most things in life, there is no straightforward, absolute answers and that you can end up doing what you think is the right thing, which ends up having negative impact. 
Right. Or like it's not one of, viewed as positive by other people. One of my professors gave us like this extreme scenario where like a woman came in with like a burst vessel that was and she was like bleeding out and she was gonna die but she was like a jehovah's witness or something and so she didn't believe in blood transfusion so you weren't allowed to give her a blood transfusion is like what do you do what do you do and i was like i don't know and then he just didn't answer the question and Ah. like moved on and i was like okay (laughs) i think it's one of those moral dilemma situations right like right right either like i think either way it's not gonna like not everyone's gonna yeah there's no absolute right answer with that yeah. in that situation because you may save her that person's life and be feeling like you're doing a good thing but to that patient they may be like how dare you You just violated my religious beliefs yeah. and like you and i committed a sin now because of you yeah it's yeah it gets woof. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah anywho uh the, Come, the cross up next guys ethics 101 right (laughs) exactly that's what we're getting into now no Um, i was just gonna sum things up i was just gonna say like the cross between psychology mental illness and religious or spiritual beliefs can definitely be a tricky puzzle to navigate um but like that's not our job so of course now we're just gonna hear some uh possession stories from emily and move on (laughs) yeah yeah we're not here to give you complicated life things okay yep we are definitely oh i i put but of course we are now gonna hear some quote-unquote fun possession stories (laughs) and definitely try to pick them apart from our own comfy armchairs as we are wont to do oh yeah that that summed up our situation pretty well (laughs) (laughs) exactly so emily take it away all right so i'm here to bring you lovely stories of possession i don't know one of them as well <laughs> All right. um so first off i am going to talk about sort of it's i mean this is not like a specific possession story but it is about a psychiatrist who is also an exorcist no what? not actually he's okay. not actually an exorcist but he's a psychiatrist <laughs> um and this is the guy that i sent you the article about right yes Yes. Okay, cool. I was hoping you would cover it because I wanted to read the article, but then uh-huh. I was like, no, wait, I'll let Emily do oh, it if she wants to. Laura, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to do you one better at the end with this guy. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say, like, what, I actually forgot, like, in the moment when I was doing my research that you sent me that article. But when I, like, Googled <laughs> possession stories, he came up and he's actually mentioned in, because I also covered two actual, like, stories of people who were, like, you know, quote unquote possessed. Um, you know supposedly Mm -hmm. um and he's mentioned in both of them so (laughs) he's brought up a lot but yeah so i realized i should mention my sources before i continue uh but i my sources include the washington post esquire cbs uh the ever-present wikipedia uh the scotsman and Mm. ka tv news Mm -hmm. right so now to start so uh, the man of the evening, this psychiatrist who is not an exorcist, uh, his name is Richard Gallagher, and he is a very smart man, And I, if I do say so myself. Uh, he went to Yale and Columbia, mm-hmm. which some of you may know is those schools that you name, dro- name drop, and then immediately people are like, that person is so pretentious. Um, <laughs> You mean at Ivy League, just generally speaking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went to a big schmoozy, boozy college or whatever. 
Um, mm-hmm. And in the 1980s, as we've covered before, that was the era of the satanic panic. Um, And so so during the height of the panic, uh, a priest showed up at his door with a woman named Julia, a Mm self-described satanic priestess. Wait, question. I I just have one question. What's the doctor's name? Uh, The psychiatrist? Yeah. Richard Gallagher. Gallagher. Okay, yeah. sorry. I forgot. <laughs> That's okay. That is fine. I'm going to refer to him as Richard through the rest of this. Okay. I don't know. It feels personal and nice. I don't yep. know. Calling him Dr. Gallagher seems weird, but yeah. I suppose he went to a lot of school to get that title. I should respect it. But anyway, Maybe. so yeah. <laughs> but so anyways, yeah, Priest shows up at his door uh, with a woman named Julia. She considers herself a, or, you know, she described herself as a satanic priestess who worships mm. Satan as his queen. Okay. So this Catholic priest who brought this woman, he was essentially coming to Richard to um, consult him. I, I, it's not described, at least in the articles that I read, why the priest came to him specifically, besides the fact that Richard Gallagher is like practicing Catholic. So I don't know if it was like, hey, I know you from church sort of thing. Or, yeah, probably. I don't know. But so the Catholic priest wanted to know, was this a normal run-of-the-mill mentally ill person, um, or was this actually possession? So, mm-hmm. I mean... Um, uh, just mm-hmm. to insert, now that I'm thinking about it, in the movie Spotlight, uh-huh. which is about the big expose of, like, the Catholic Church, like, priest uh, um, abuse, sort of, like, the priests abusing kids and stuff. Yeah. Um they basically reveal that everyone who is like an Ivy league person slash rich and Catholic, um, they all like know each other. So that's probably like, Oh, okay. So he's like a thing in the church. Okay, cool. Yeah. Didn't know that I'm mm. not Catholic and I did not watch that documentary. It sounds sad. It's a very good day. documentary. It's so good. Emily, you need to watch it. Oh, okay. is it? Okay. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well anyways, um, so it's like, yeah, so was she just mentally ill? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, but here's the thing, is that she was capable of doing things that Richard could not explain. Uh, for example, she was speaking languages that she did not know, or she said she did not know because she's, cons- like, she, her possession or, like, trance states, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there were points where he was talking to Julia, like, unpossessed. But So she and people who knew her said that she didn't speak these languages, um, hmm. She knew about people's deaths who she had never met. Uh, like she knew about Richard's mother's death um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And to give an example of kind of, or a better example of like what he, like what really stumped him uh, was that, so the night before the priest shows up with this, with Julia is Richard had been woken up by his two normally, you know, very calm, quiet cats uh, fighting mm-hmm. each other. So, you know, confused, he just pulled them apart and like, stop that, you know, as a cat parent does. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then just went back to sleep because, you know, what else are you going to do? And then when the priest and Julia showed up at his door the next morning, she asked him, how do you like those cats last night? Uh, So, I mean, possibly chance, you know, because cats do weird things in the night. And if she saw the cat, you know, she could jump on that. But also, I mean, like, who's to say, right? Right. Um, I think 
I do always question like the language thing because like I'm sure he like is intelligent and didn't just go ooh she's saying weird sounds it must be a language I don't <laughs> know but like I feel like there's a lot of claims of like they were speaking a language and they didn't know what it was and I was like how did you know what it was like what language was it yeah did you just like assume she was speaking fluently and correctly like oh yeah when, why? when I, I mean like I've certainly seen when they talk about like speaking in tongues and then showing someone speaking in tongues and I'm like I think that's just gibberish but that's no. yep <laughs> it's just but, gibberish yeah i mean in, in the in this case they said that like it I, would be crazy if she like started speaking like fluent italian and then like an italian person walked in and it was like oh yeah okay yeah. you know like yeah. then that's one thing but if it was just like sh- some person who only speaks english was <laughs> like she was speaking these weird languages like no i don't believe you <laughs> sounds swedish uh yeah <laughs> like the the one language they they mentioned that she was speaking was Latin, and I don't know uh, if the and they're all Catholic, so they all yeah. know Latin. Yeah, okay, okay. Because like uh, back in the day, back in like the seventies and stuff, and you said this was in the eighties, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of those old Catholic church churches like required, um, if he went to a Catholic school as like a kid, he yeah. would have been required to take Latin courses, and also okay. the masses were given and. Yeah, I think the mass was given in Latin back in the day. So they would at least be able to recognize it. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. so yeah, we they have some, you know, and I mean, of course, though, the claim is she's she and other people are saying she doesn't know Latin, but who's to right. say for real? If she had grown up in a Catholic school, though, then maybe she could have whipped some stuff out. Who knows? Yeah, who knows, right? Um, but I mean... At the end of the cons- the consultation is Richard is unable to label this with any like known like psychosis psychosis that he knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of for that is he just really felt like this, you know, like with kind of no other possible explanation. He's like, this must be like a paranormal, ex- you know, event. This she must be possessed because like he has no other alternative for it. Right. So so now over uh, I mean, you know really just decades later, uh, Richard consults on hundreds of possession cases, uh, working alongside clergymen. Um, he says that the majority of the cases he sees are mental illness of some sort, mm-hmm. but not all of them. Mm. So uh, he says that he uses the same skills that he already uses as a professor and a psychiatrist. He likes to go in with an open mind and respect uh, for evidence and uh, compassion for suffering people. Hmm. So, I mean, because part of the issue is um, obviously there's misdiagnosis among fundamentalists. Uh, That's pretty common. So Mm -hmm. uh, this can result in abuse and mistreatment of genuinely mentally ill people who need some sort of medical intervention. Um, But on the other end is that, you know, uh, Richard has stated that many other psychiatrists and other medical experts, uh, they don't think that exorcism and psychiatry can go together. You either believe in one or the other. Mm. But, so Richard kind of like trying to mix these two. It's uh, he's, he's a trailblazer, truly. <laughs> so, um, and really, but since the early 1990s, uh, he has been an active member of the International Association of Exorcists. Uh, what hmm, a convention that must be. 
Uh, yeah. you know. Can I sit on one of your like your presentations? That just sounds fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, and for a time he did serve as a scientific advisor on its governing board. I feel like this is a really intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. And like, but I just feel like wouldn't it be wouldn't he need to be the first to admit that he is like super biased because he's Catholic? Yeah. To like consider this. I don't know. I just feel like it's one thing to like have it be an option, but I feel like he is even more prone to bias because he is like part of a religion that like, I don't know. I don't know. Really believes it and kind of, because it's like, you know, I grew up Lutheran there. There's no, you know, pastors who know how to perform exorcisms. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. So is it like, is it a confirmation bias risk of him trying to confirm that the priests are correct and that like exorcisms are needed sometimes? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I I'll talk a little bit more about really his opinion on that kind of stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. that is a good point to bring up, though, is the fact that he comes from a religion that already kind of supports that possibility. And so then where do you go from there? Um, Right. And he's like, especially if he was like in good with like some of the higher leaders of the church, like then he would be protecting their egos as well. And that can really mix things up in my opinion. Yeah. Look at Laura bringing in, you know, some opposing viewpoints, potential controversy. You know, I just like (laughs) to keep, keep the, keep it hot, keep it topical. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, just from the uh, point of view of Richard, who's consulted on many cases, is he will see a possessed individual um, may suddenly in kind of like a trance state. Uh, they will voice statements of like just really surprising venom, you know, on, like this is normally a very kind person. And now they're like screaming, your mother is a whore or something. I don't know. Right. Um, your and, mother sex cocks in hell. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a famous line from the extra. Yeah, no, no, I know. I was, okay. I, was okay. I was thinking of a vine where, you know, someone's doing that scene. Yeah, there's sex cocks in hell and they're right. doing the and they're like, well, that's what is it like? That's your choice as an independent woman or something like that. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, that's, that what, I was, that's what I was thinking of in that moment. But yeah. So yeah, they 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 spit venom and uh, talk contempt for religion uh, while understanding and speaking various uh, foreign languages previously unknown to them. This person may also exhibit enormous strength or even uh, the extraordinarily rare phenomenon of levitation, though Richard does point out that he has never actually seen it himself, but he has consulted with uh, numerous priests who claim that they have experienced it. Hmm. Um, He also said that the, I guess, possessed individual will demonstrate uh, what he calls hidden knowledge such as like like the cat thing, the how his mom died. They know like mm. he, they know things that they shouldn't. Um, right. And then these skills uh, are not explained except by special psychic or prenatural ability. Um, and or now with the internet, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, like back in the eighties, it's like, how do you know about my mom's death? That's weird. Nowadays, it's like, did you Google me? Right. Like you went to the bathroom five minutes ago. Is that what you were doing in there? Is that why it took so long? Um, So, uh, I mean, anyone in the mental health field is more than aware of patients 
who are claiming to be attacked by spirits or demons. Um, they've, they've met with patients with personality disorders who will misinterpret their destructive feelings uh, through external projection. In this case, you know, a demon is making me feel this way. Um, but, you know, for Richard's like, you know, that stuff can be explained. But how do you explain someone who speaks Latin when they've never studied it? Um, so I will say now that just Laura, anyone listening, uh, is I only mm -hmm. speak English, some Spanish and very little French. So if anything else comes out of my mouth, just assume it's Baphomet and, you know, go find a priest or something. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so from for Richard is he how he does it is he approaches the situation with initial skepticism. And uh, I guess to kind of answer like some of your con the concerns you brought up earlier is he says that like he, he does the thing is he does believe in possession but in these cases is he does not make the diagnosis himself he instead just lets the priest know that he cannot diagnose any mental illness to his knowledge and then thus the priest can you know take that knowledge and be like okay it's possession you know so he's not like oh i'm diagnosing her possessed he's just like yeah i don't know what this is essentially it's kind of what he does um mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if that makes it necessarily better, but it's just like he's not at the very least he's he's like he believes it, but he's also not going to in a, I guess, a, a doctor's medical standpoint going to actually, you know, say it is possession. I don't know. Right. That's that can also be problematic in some way. But anyways, um, as he says, he's like, um, as a man of reason, I've had to rationalize the seeming the seemingly irrational. Because really, how is how are you supposed to explain someone who levitates? Because, yeah, it doesn't make sense in the world we know of physics and gravity. Um, but, you know, in the case, when you, if you are talking about possession, you are dealing with more than just the material world. You are talking about the spiritual realm where that can be outside the comprehension of the human mind. Um, yeah. And, I mean, ignorance and superstition often surround the stories of demonic possession in various cultures and yes a lot of cases can be explained by fraud mental pathology and a word called chicanery Ch chicanery ah i don't chicanery. know oh I, oh I, <laughs> I thought you knew i believed you laura i think i think it might be chicanery though okay Ch cool. chicanery and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and for Richard, uh, for him, he even says, like, it's not really a matter of whether or not possession is truly real or fake, but that as a psychiatrist, he, if he is asked to help someone in need, he, he's going, he should do so. Like, he believes that that's right. what he's going to do. That's and, fair. Yeah. And to not help these people is to be like, a priest comes to me, says they're possessed, and be like, ah, I'm not dealing with that. Like, that would be him turning his back on someone who may actually truly need medical intervention. Right. Um, so, oh, and so Laura, because you were interested in this article, uh, I'm going to let you know that he does have a book called Demonic uh -huh. Foes, my 25 years as a psychiatrist investigating possessions, diabolic attacks and the paranormal. Um, Interesting. so yeah, there, there's a book that will definitely, definitely go into much more detail than I ever, ever could because I only have like half an hour and yeah. <laughs> All right. And so now uh, I'm going to cover 
two, try to make it brief, um, <laughs> but just two different stories of exorcism. Do you want me to start with the, the good, the, the happier ending story or the not so happy ending? Hmm. What are you feeling? Let's, let's end on a happy one. All right, cool. That's the order I put it in. Awesome. Okay. So this is known as, I don't know if you've heard of it, but the, the, the Tanaku exorcism, the Tanasu. Uh, the first. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so in 2005, uh, this ha- happened in an Orthodox covenant in Romania's impoverished Northeast, 23-year-old nun Marisica, mm. uh, Irina. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm Corni- familiar with this one. Cornici. Okay. I could tell uh, by all of the poorly pronounced names. I know. I I I don't know. I'm. I don't know if she's actually like Romani or like from Romania, but I I cannot pronounce her. Any, I think she was. Name. I think. Okay. I think this. I do remember like the case just because I remember that there was one in Romania. But yeah. 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 Oh my god. It's, it's got a lot of letters and orders. I don't know. I got. I feel like I got the middle name, Irina. That's it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I'm gonna find out the eyes pronounced totally differently than I would think. But anyways, uh, she believed the devil was talking to her, was telling her she was sinful, and at first she was treated for schizophrenia. But uh, when she relapsed, priests and nuns went a different route: exorcism. So mm-hmm. uh, in so bound in bound to a cross, gagged and left in a dark room. Uh, oh, God. 2005, she died from dehydration and suffocation three days later. Mm, yep. So, yep. Uh, I remember this one because it was covered on a true crime podcast, so I knew oh, it wasn't yeah. going to go well. Yeah. Now, uh, according to those who did it, the uh, is that she was cured, uh, and she later fainted when giving given tea and bread. When she was not could not be revived, an ambulance was called where she was given six shots of adrenaline and died before reaching the hospital. Mm -hmm. So the death by dehydration and suffocation was the original autopsy. Uh, In 2014, a second autopsy was done. And that one, that coroner said that she died due to an adrenaline overdose, which Mm -hmm. yes, if she was truly given six shots of adrenaline. Yeah. I think that would, that would be, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. Probably would do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So the case was uh, really was a stunning blow as many people in that region, the earth, the Orthodox church was like utmost trusted authority. Um, Mm -hmm. But so to kind of pull back in April of that year, uh, this is like, so she had joined the covenant fairly recently, uh, Mm -hmm. but April of that year, she had sought out treatment at a psychiatric hospital in the Northeast city of Vaslui. Uh, where doctor has a lot of extra letters, but I'm just going to say George. Uh, okay. Silvestrovici, who was a psychiatrist, uh, he treated her. So she told him uh, she heard the devil. To him, this was a classic schizophrenic psychosis, and he believed that she was experiencing her first episode. So he gave her meds, and she was released on April 20th to the Holy Trinity Covenant. She was supposed to return 10 days later. She did not. Mm. So the priest who performed uh, this quote-unquote exorcism, uh, he uh, said that she had to be restrained because she was violent and refusing to drink holy water. Uh, He 
though he and four other nuns were charged with aggravated murder. Uh, and I mean, before even like the trial had occurred and these people had been like, like sentenced or anything or found not guilty, uh, or whatever the Orthodox church had, I think I'm using this word correctly, excommunicated the priest and the nuns. I also saw the word for the priest as defrocked, which just is a funny okay. way to describe that <laughs> to me. Yeah. Basically I'm the church. A funny mental picture of like. Yeah. Yeah. This like authoritarian looking religious man walking up to the other one and just like ripping his clothes off like, not in a sexual way. Sorry. That became yeah, very no. uh, different than I <laughs> intended it to be. Anyway. Yeah. But essentially the church was like, yeah, get out of here. Like the priest was not allowed to be a priest and the nuns weren't allowed to, to nun. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, and then um, all the group of five, they were all sentenced to various, uh, various numbers of years. I, the, the, the nuns got like five to eight. Um, I think the priest originally got 25, but I wrote here that after his appeal, it, it was just seven years. So, um, he's not a lot. Of, yeah. He's out of, so he's out of prison or I'm assuming, I don't know. I didn't there. I tried like, cause I, cause you know, uh, like I tried finding like the second, like finding, cause the second autopsy got mentioned on the mm-hmm. Wikipedia page and I tried to fi- like find another article to help support it. And it was, it was like briefly mentioned, but nothing too concrete. Um, mm-hmm. they were just like, they're going to do a second one. And I was like, cool. <laughs> how did how to go uh right. but yeah so uh the priest maintains his innocence um he said that you know she had to be re- they restrained her because she was hurting herself and others um and that you know she refused to drink food or water uh um, she refused to drink food <laughs> sorry refused to eat food or drink water <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> um and he, he, as he tells it, is that she came asking them to help her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, now he says the exorcist ritual was standard. The church says that it went against their teachings. I'm going to go with the church here, though. They also could have just been like, yeah, no, we don't do that. Covering, their up, covering yeah, themselves up. Yeah. Saving their own asses. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the nuns are with the priest saying she came for help. She was the one who refused food and water. We restrained her for her own safety and stuff like that, and that she right. was alive. Yeah, it's just hard backwards. when the per- the other person's side of the story can't be told from them. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's about what she, what she said and what she like what they they said she said. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. the dead can't speak for herself, and she did yeah. die. So it's yeah, it's a tricky situation. All right, so that was that story. Uh, and next, we're going to talk about Amy. See, even this is an American story, and I still can't pronounce the last name. Stomatis. <laughs> we're going to go with Stomatis. Right. But yeah, so uh, four months, Amy had been struggling with dark thoughts. She had voices telling her to kill herself. What um, era is this? This is also like two thousands. Yeah, two thousands. The the articles I found for her were like from two thousand and nineteen. So, mm, okay. so so recent um but yeah she was having a lot of dark thoughts voices were telling her to kill herself um she you know immediately uh, she 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 is was a nurse um at the time she was a practicing nurse so mm-hmm. her first thought is that she's having a mental breakdown um so 
what had happened uh, sort of in the beginning is on one of her shifts, um, like towards the end of it, she was completing some reporting for a burn victim, and mm. she found that she kind of like just forgot how to do her job, which well, yeah. uh, is no bueno in a hospital, just right. the nurse not knowing what to do. Um, she, <laughs> yeah, she found herself wandering in the ER aimlessly, like, what the fuck? Um, and Dude. that was like the last shift she did, because when she went home, she found that she couldn't complete simple tasks like picking out clothes. And um, she, who had run marathons, uh, which I can say from experience or very, very, or some experience, I never actually got to the part of a marathon, but this is a very hard thing to do. It's a lot of miles. So she was yeah. a, she was someone who ran a lot of marathons and she couldn't run straight. That's, uh, that's, that's. Okay. I'm sorry, sus. but what you're describing right now, like is literally something I've been studying in my like, neuroanatomy class as like an area of your brain where you can have a stroke and you get all of those symptoms oh yeah well, so don't worry. does this end as like oh she had a stroke <laughs> like well you'll see you'll see okay. um okay. so yeah so with all that she told her husband that she was having a, that she believed she was having a nervous breakdown and so they started seeing doctors and going to hospitals uh she was prescribed pills as she put it uh like they were candy uh, but the voices continued. Her behavior. Oh, voices! Wait, you didn't say yeah. anything about voices. Oh. Okay. Oh yeah, no. In the beginning, she uh, she had voices telling her to kill herself. Oh. Which yeah. yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, so the voices were continued. Her behavior continued to be erratic. She uh, stripped naked at a family family gathering. Um, and also when, she, and during, you know, some of the visits to the hospital where she worked, she was like yelling at former coworkers, basically behaving in a way that didn't make sense for her. Uh, and then at a Mayo clinic in, uh, Minnesota, is that good? <laughs> so terrible every time. <laughs> Darn it. Okay. So after breaking uh, away from physicians she climbed eight stories of a parking garage and threatened to jump uh, but she was talked down by her husband and police so okay. all of this leads up to um a basically the tragic day where amy took a fall out of her second story window onto a brick patio um oh. which resulted in her becoming paralyzed from the waist down oh, shit. so the event that happened is stated as unusual. Um, so she climbed onto the open, like onto like an open window and was sitting on the sill uh, mm -hmm. before falling. And she claims that she did not jump. Huh. So All while, right. yeah. Right. You're like, yeah, because it, it sounds yeah, but right. You were like, also acting very strange. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like she has already threatened suicide. So it's like this yeah, like it, it seems like that was this was a suicide attempt that failed. She maybe could have later been like, "What was I thinking?" And was just like, "No, or guys, I, just I like if you can't trust your own actions, like how do you know?" Like she said, she was like, "I couldn't do things right anymore." You're like, that's that's true. If she can't run straight, who's to say that she didn't lose her balance or something, right? right. So who knows? Um, so, but while in the hospital, she was visited by a woman who claimed to see demons. This woman okay. is Cindy Lawson, who has done 10 exorcisms. Oh, I think I know of her. Okay. <laughs> From one of my spooky podcasts. Ah, okay, well, Cindy Lawson. Um, so, yeah, at the time she visited 
uh, Amy, she had done 10 exorcisms or uh, demonic castings as the Pentecostal evangelists called it. Um, mm-hmm. So I was talking about, so at a church, like, so a church that had heard about Amy's, like what had happened, they were praying for her and uh, Cindy had been there when she heard about, so, uh, she, so when she heard about the story is she said that basically like she kind of felt like compelled by the Lord to go okay. and visit her. Yeah. So, uh, in the hospital, coming to see her, Lawson said that she saw the demons, and she told um, Amy's, like, a friend of Amy's who was there, uh, that she was mm-hmm. coming to pray for Amy. Uh, and when she was doing that, Courtney Lawson, something inside of Amy growled at her. I, I'm not Very sure. True. Like, I'm not sure if she states this as, like, you know, like she heard it in her mind or like spiritually right. heard it. Cause That's... it's not, it's not backed up by like someone else being like, Oh no, I heard Amy speak in a really right. weird voice or something. Or she growled at her. Like, I don't know. Yeah, apparently, I'm a little fuss of yeah. this, but okay. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Cause apparently the thing that growled asked her what she was doing. And I don't know if that was something that Cindy's like, Oh yes, I heard it spiritually. Or it was like, no, right. spoken aloud. So anyways, so demon growl I don't know so uh Lawson anointed oil on Amy's head I'm sure in the shape of a cross she you know said that whole stuff about like you know the power of Christ compel you sort of thing (laughs) um and apparently then Amy was demon free it's really that easy guys um so I know like it was so quick one visit uh, compared to all these other ones I see, it's like, you know, that like the one before, they're like, we had to, you know, we bound her for several days, and then we finally right. got the demon out. This one's like, not. Nah, it took like two seconds. Also, I've heard before on different podcasts that like, where, you know, people come on who really do believe in possession, like culturally, uh-huh. um, they almost just have described it as like, um, it's not a cure. It's more of like an ongoing treatment. Like mm. you can't just have one exorcism and wash your hands and oh, it's all la di da done for. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard it described as like no, it requires like a constant, like spiritual practice to not slip back under possession. And you know you may need multiple exorcisms. So yeah, that's interesting. It, it almost then kind of is a little bit like you know if you do have a mental illness, right? It's- right. Sometimes you're on medication for your whole life and you also have to like with things like depression, anxiety is maintain like healthy coping mechanisms and stuff. Right. Because you are prone to certain things. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. I've only ever heard it described by that one person. So I in yeah. that way. But like mm-hmm. it made me the way they described it, it is made me assume that like other people shared their beliefs. They weren't just yeah. like that wasn't their personal like theory. It uh-huh. was like <laughs> This is like a thing. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't say that Cindy Lawson probably went to like exorcism school. So, you know, <laughs> right. she's, she's doing her own thing. So mm-hmm. uh, doctors had had diagnosed Amy with a rare chemical imbalance called porphyria that can cause okay. seizures, abdominal pain, nervous center dysfunction, and mental confusion. But if you ask Amy, she was possessed by a demon. Um mm-hmm. She says, you know, like having a background in medical field as a nurse is that she thinks that the medical world is that they will try and put a name to demonic possession as it's something they don't understand. Uh, Lawson also shares this sentiment. Um, 
you know, she said, you know, she first performed a ritual on a nine-year-old boy and that he levitated. She's seen others foam at the mouth. Some have had other, like, eye color changes. Others will speak in demonic voices. And again, it's like, how how do you explain that, right? Um, mm. So Amy has no recollection of her exorcism, but her family says that they noticed an immediate change in her after it. And in a recent interview, she says she's otherwise mentally healthy. So Weird. Yeah. Did, were these people possessed? Who's to say? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> the second one makes me go, I don't trust that. And the first <laughs> one makes me go, uh, that sucks like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. at least the second one, even if it was like confirmation bias or like, mm -hmm. you know, something else um i don't want to say that they were making it up because i don't necessarily believe that's the case i feel like when you talk to people it's almost never that they're just malingering or like like they really do have something wrong yeah <laughs> you yeah know? like i never want to accuse somebody of just like bullshitting you but like yeah or unless it's like really obvious um <laughs> but uh, still i don't know i don't know i think it's i mean like from kind of my standpoint is i mean even even with you know cindy who's untrained and you know believing in god knows what um i think like both of them you know cindy and the priests and uh, the nuns like they i think they both believe that this these people were truly possessed and i mean i, I kind of wonder if um the nun uh marie sissa Marissa the Romanian nun. Yeah, the Romanian nun. I kind of wonder if she might have also thought she was possessed too. Like if she really yeah. did truly go to them for help or if they were like, nah, man, you're possessed. We got to tie you to this this cross or something. Mm -hmm. Like who knows? Um, it's In her case, it's just it ended so tragically. Um, yeah. And we're never really going to know like what happened or we're exactly. never really going to truly feel like we know. Yeah. So. Oh, it's rough. <laughs> So anyway, happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> That's why we say spooky Halloween, because sometimes right. it's not so happy. I don't know. No. When I was a little kid, watching all those Halloween movies actually did used to make me really scared and paranoid. So oh, really? <laughs> I, I really do feel that spooky Halloween. Yeah, which is probably why. Like, you know, sometimes I think it was unfair that when I was a kid, my mom didn't let me watch scooby-doo on zombie island but oh. <laughs> now looking back i'm like nah she i think she knew what she was doing in this in the case of me because i <laughs> was definitely terrified by that movie yeah. um so yeah <laughs> that's fine <laughs> all right um well unfortunately i should point out that we're going on hiatus now officially after this because laura's um, a good good student and she has to focus on her studies so she I'm can so people in the eye or something i don't know what yeah. do what do you guys do in optometry school yeah just poke people in their eyes yeah you got it <laughs> <laughs> please let uh if you do anything useful in optometry school can you make them phase out those stupid blow things for glaucoma or whatever i hate it nope it's the gold standard sorry babe god because the one time I went to the optometrist and she's like, well, this machine's broken. I was like, thank the Lord. Like, don't <laughs> don't fix it. I know they have a second one. It's a smaller puff. I still flinch terribly before it even actually gets me. I'm it's horrible. I hate it. 
yeah. so much. Oh, sorry. Uh, other people also want me to change the visual fields machines to make the test go faster, and I, j- I can't. I'm sorry. It's going to be long and boring. You know it's what? I, I, don't even hate, I don't even hate that part, but you also yeah. did, like, vision therapy, and so I can only imagine what that was like. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So should we say goodbye for, like, a long time? Kind of. Who knows I, when this will well, come back? Yeah, it's it's, it's, t- it's TBA right now. It's when yeah. is when is Laura have free time that yeah. she doesn't want to use to like relax and exactly you know zone out. It is something. exactly that. It's not that I don't yeah. have time. It's like, do I have time that I want to do an additional homework assignment? Yeah, like oh, another thing. Like it's <laughs> it's fun, but it's work. It's you exactly. Like, it's like yeah, it's like I enjoy this, but it's not it's not downtime. It's not yeah. let me decompress. It's yeah. like uh, I have to like research and people are gonna hear it and Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, All right. so I'll come back when I don't have other school things happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, that'll that'll be the standard for the next what, four years? Yep, pretty much. Woo! All right. Well then I guess this means This is uh good goodbye. As always, thank you for listening to Weird Science, hosted by Laura Moyer and Emily Gangness. If you'd like to get into contact, our email is wetalkweirdscience at gmail.com, spelled W-E-T-A-L-K-W-E-I-R-D-P-S-Y-E-N-C-E at gmail.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at weirdscience, spelled the same way. Cover art is by Morgan Kalka whose Twitter handle is at player director. Music is by Josue Allen at J-O-S-U-E-A-L-N on Instagram. Thank you so much. Have a great day.